the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway, now eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us uh, on this free-for-all Friday edition of The Authority. It's the 27th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. And it's a dark day uh, because it comes after the deadliest day that we have seen in Afghanistan on foreign soil in a decade. And uh, the first casualties of American servicemen or citizens or civilians since February of 2020. So we're talking about a good uh, nearly two years, around 21 months or so, since there has been anything like this uh, in, uh, in Afghanistan. And the question is, is what changed? What changed from then to now? And the answer is obvious. Leadership. I am still staring at a video uh, and a little bit of a loop um, of Joe Biden facing one tough question. Just one one tough question of the four that he took after his press conference, after his remarks, claiming that he's going to hunt down and we will make you pay. The uh, the uh, First of all, the suicide bombers have already paid. They uh, took their own lives while they did this. But if they're talking about those who sponsored them or trained them or supported them or whatever, going to make them pay, I want to know how it is that he's going to do that when he is uh, continuing to stick to his plans of retreat he literally said yesterday that he will try to get as many people out of afghanistan as we can within the time frame that's allotted the time frame goes until tuesday august 31st white house press secretary jen saki after biden fled the stage after one tough question which i'll get to in a second she took the stage afterwards Uh, and declared that some Americans might not make it out of the country by August 31st. They will be stranded. 
Now, she is choosing to frame this as their choice. Their choice. Quote, there are some Americans who may not have decided to leave by the 31st. That is possible. That is disgusting is what it is. That is reprehensible. The suggestion that Americans would choose to stay behind while the Taliban, which hates Americans and hates the West, takes over. The idea that they would have made that decision themselves is just reprehensible. She went on to say that the Biden administration would work with the Taliban after the deadline to get any remaining Americans out of the country safely. Well, what do you you mean? I thought you said they would have made their choices to stay there. We will need to continue to coordinate with the Taliban, she said, in order to get people to the airport and out of the airport. This administration's messaging is so mixed and so distorted and so disgusting, it's really hard to put into words. But Joe Biden says he's going to hunt them down and make them pay all while planning to take all of our troops out on Tuesday. Who's going to do the hunting? Are you going to contract out to the Taliban, Joe? Are the Taliban going to become your mercenaries to hunt down ISIS-K, another terror group, but one that shares the same goals as the Taliban, which is dead non dead infidels, dead Westerners, non-Muslims? What are you kidding? Who's going to do the hunting if you're pulling the troops out? One cannot hunt and retreat at the same time. But Joe Biden found a way to retreat. He found a way to retreat from a press conference after just four questions, the fourth of which was a tough one. Peter Ducey asked Joe Biden a tough question. Asked him about his own personal responsibility, his own personal culpability, and the death of 13 uh, Marines and the wounding of dozens of others, the death of a bunch of Afghans as well, when there had been relative peace and literally no casualties in Afghanistan for Americans in almost two full years. This was the question, and this was how Joe Biden answered it. Now, I wish I could share with you the video, but you probably have already seen it. As he tries to turn things around and question Peter Ducey. Peter Ducey won't let him do it. And so Joe Biden responds by hanging his head in abject shame, literally hanging his head in what looks like crying. Listen. Mr. President, there had not been a U.S. service member killed in combat in Afghanistan since February of 2020. You set a deadline, you pulled troops out, you sent troops back in, and now 12 Marines are dead. You said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility for the way that things have unfolded in the last two weeks. I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late. But here's the deal. All right, and that's where we just have to stop it. If Joe Biden had any guts, integrity, honesty, character, intestinal fortitude, that would be the end of the clip. Yes, I bear responsibility. But instead, he goes on to pass the buck of responsibility you know i wish you one day say these things you know as well as i do that a former president made a deal with the taliban that he would get all american forces out of afghanistan by may 1 in return the commitment was made and that was a year before in return he was given a commitment 
that the Taliban would continue to attack others, but would not attack any American forces. Remember that? I'm, I'm being serious. Uh, no, I, I'm asking you a question. Be, uh, because before... No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? What? It's during this follow-up question by Ducey in which he refuses to play Biden's game and answer his questions rather than the Biden answering Ducey's questions that Biden puts his head down and hangs it while clutching his, his little binder folder there uh, and, and for a good, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. I, I, I'll be 100% honest with you when I watch it. Tell me if anybody agrees. I thought he was going down. I, I wasn't wishing it. I wouldn't be that horrific. Didn't wish it, but thought he's going down. When he held his head down like that as Peter Ducey was talking and would, couldn't move or wouldn't move or, or just was, just, I, I wondered, was he having an episode? Was he having a seizure? Was he having something? I wondered if he was going down. I swear to God I did. Instead, all he was doing was posing uh, and uh, attempting to look uh, you know, grief-stricken by everything. The same way that he did, by the way, when he once again brought up his dead son, Bo, uh, Bo Biden, died of brain cancer, and he started this press conference by trying to tell the families of the dead Marines that he knows what it's like because he lost his son who was, uh, I think he called him an attorney? I think he called him an attorney, like the attorney general of, of Afghanistan or something. It was bizarre. But he tried to play the I feel your pain card when his because his son, who did not die in combat, his son died of brain cancer, and he tried to say, I know what it's like to lose a son to combat. Um, again, trying to generate sympathy, trying to, and it worked, by the way. The Associated Press reporter who was there asked his question through teary eyes because Joe Biden had just talked about his son. Nobody wished ill, of course, upon his son, and we all wish prayers and condolences to his entire family uh, for that terrible loss. This was not the place for that. I think they have an issue that people are likely to get hurt. Some, as we've seen, have gotten killed. And that it is messy. The reason why, whether my friend will acknowledge it or has reported it, the reason why there were no attacks on Americans, as you said, from the date until I came into office, was because the commitment was made by President Trump, I will be out by May 1st. In the meantime, you agree not to attack any Americans. That was the deal. That's why no American was attacked. Yes, I do. Because look at it this way, folks. And I'm going to, I have another meeting for real. But I can't stay and take any more tough questions like this. I have a meeting for real. It's like, no, you got to believe me. I do. I'm not just fleeing. I swear I have another meeting. You're the president. They will wait to start the meeting until you get there. You're the president. Or did you forget that part? Ladies and gentlemen, they gave me a list here. The first person I was instructed to call on was Kelly O'Donnell of NBC. I forgot. 
Apparently the president isn't the president. The president follows instructions from other people behind those curtains. But I've got another meeting, I swear. But, 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 but just listen before I go. Imagine where we'd be if I had indicated on May the 1st I was not going to renegotiate an evacuation date. We were going to stay there. I'd have only one alternative. Pour thousands of more troops back into Afghanistan to fight a war that we had already won relative to why the reason we went in the first place. And that's just fundamentally inaccurate. You would not have had to pour more troops in. Nobody was attacking American troops, and nobody in the Taliban was making gains the way things were because the 300,000 Afghan security force was backed by the small contingency of U.S. troops that remained. We didn't have to add to that. The 300,000 wouldn't have, wouldn't have thrown down their weapons and run if we still had American support behind them. You would have just had to keep what we had there. So he's, he's literally making up policy as he goes. I have never been of the view that we should be sacrificing American lives to try to establish a democratic government in Afghanistan, a country that has never once in its entire history been a united country. And nobody cares. Nobody is talking about establishing a democracy. This wasn't nation building. This was keeping troops in place to keep a very dangerous regime out of power. Osama bin Laden, as well as al-Qaeda, had chosen to launch an attack when they left Saudi Arabia out of Yemen. Would we have ever gone to Afghanistan, even though the Taliban completely controlled Afghanistan at the time, would we have ever gone? I know it's not fair to ask you questions. It's rhetorical, but. But I don't know how to answer questions myself, so I'll ask them. And the answer to that question, you babbling buffoon, of course, is of course not. We would have, if the 9-11 attacks had been coordinated, funded, and trained out of, uh, out of Yemen or any other country in the Middle East or in Northern Africa, any of those countries, we would have gone there. Because that's where the threat came from. And the fact is... That's where the threat still remains now, in Afghanistan, because the same Taliban we ran off 20 years ago is back. And you are partnering with them. Think about that. Uh, Let's go to uh, Independence. Dan, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Dan, go ahead. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Good, sir. Listen, I just can't understand, it boggles my mind, how this is a surprise to anyone. Okay, this guy has been in politics for almost 50 years. He's been wrong. He has got wrong on every foreign policy issue, and other people will tell you in books and whatnot, zero, absolutely zero accomplishments in 40-plus years, almost 50 years. But in Washington, that qualifies you as an expert. And now he's in this catatonic state, okay, where he doesn't even... He's not even aware of where he is or his faculties. And you're going to try to tell me that he got more votes than Obama did campaigning from his basement? It's mind-boggling. And who, who, who couldn't see this coming? And I have zero 
zero sympathy for him or or I, I think you may even said you you know how could Joe Biden put him up to this? Joe Biden and that family are riding his coattails as far as they'll take him. And it was the same thing with Bob Mueller, right? We didn't know how bad off he was until he got in front of a microphone. Isn't there an adult son or nephew in the family that says, hey, Dad, we're going to pass up this gig, okay, because we're done. We've served. We've done our – we're done. We're not doing this, okay? But they put this guy up there. It's mind-boggling to me, okay? And I hearken back to the Clarence Thomas hearings when Joe Biden was grilling him and say, hey, hey, it was a tough day today, Judge, huh? Well, I got words for Uncle Joe Biden. Hey, Joe, wasn't it a tough day for you yesterday? It's pathetic. Well, and the, the worst thing to me, thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. worst thing for me is uh, people on the left saying, hey, I thought we were all Americans first. Let's put America before a party. Let's rally around our president now in this terrible time of attack. You don't rally around the guy responsible for the terrible attack. You hold him accountable, and you rally around the victims that he created. We'll be right back. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Back to the phones. We'll go to TJ in Cleveland. Hi, TJ. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, hello, Bob. Yeah, TJ. You know, I'm going to tell you, Bob. This guy's talking about he's not going to forgive and forget. That brain-dead potato head has already forgotten what he said yesterday. Uh, and I'll tell you another thing. I I'll wish, tell- you know what, I, that's a great point. I Honestly and truly, I think day-to-day he has to be reminded, why do you think it took them eight hours to prop him up in front of that podium yesterday? He has to be reminded of what's going on. It has to be drilled into his head. They probably do flashcards with him to see if he remembers things, and then they still give him a script and he still bungles it. And then he reads out loud the part that isn't supposed to be read out loud, which is, they instructed me to call on so-and-so first. It's, it's, it's that bad. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I'm numb, Bob. After the southern border, this fiasco in uh, Afghanistan, the final insult took place last night when they put this black Capitol policeman in front of the cameras, a man that executed Ashley Babbitt. And I say executed. She was unarmed, she was unwarned, and she was unthreatening, and she was shot down like a rabid dog by this police officer. And now they're turning him into a victim. That well, he's trying. He's trying to make himself into a victim. I mean, yes, right. he does have support there from the media, uh, because of course, you know, Ashley Babbitt wore a Trump hat, so therefore she's the perpetrator and he's the victim. I did see that. I'm going to talk more about that next week, TJ, because I don't have a ton of time for it today. Thank you, my friend, uh, for the call. I want to stay on Afghanistan this morning, but we'll get to the uh, officer there, Bird, uh, next week. I promise. Uh, Lisa in uh, Medina, Lisa Woods, how you doing, Lisa? Hey, good morning, Bob. Good morning. I'm okay, but I'll tell you, this is just really hard to stomach. So much going on. Yeah, it's um, it's more it's 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 more than hard to stomach. I, I mean, honestly, this is something that should arise, arise uh, raise the anger in all of us because American lives are being lost that were completely avoidable. This entire affair was completely avoidable if he just had practiced a a modicum of common sense and 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 didn't have to do the exact opposite of everything Donald Trump did just because of principle. If he had followed some of the playbooks Donald Trump left behind, including on the border and including here in Afghanistan. Uh, uh, everything would be fine right now. So, you know, I think we should all be more than just sick to our stomachs over it. We should be angry about it. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
That's okay. That's okay. I also called to remind folks about the meeting tomorrow at the Thirsty Cowboy. I reached out to find someone that could speak on Afghanistan, and we have Army veteran Rick Stockberger, who has a fresh account of what's going on in Afghanistan. He was just there a little over a week ago uh, helping... His his mission was to help, I think it was around 400 interpreters get out of Afghanistan. And so he'll be giving his personal account tomorrow morning at the Thirsty Cowboy. That's good. That's good to know. And it is timely. And I'm glad you found somebody who has some expertise and some experience there to speak to. Uh, what time? 830? 830, at, yep, at the Thirsty Cowboy, which is right there by 71 and 18. And the street address there is... 2743 Medina Road uh, in Plaza 71. Hope, hope some folks can make it out. And, uh, I do, too. Uh, yeah, here's hear what's going on. we got a great lineup. I don't know if you saw, but we've got Justice well, uh, Sharon Kennedy coming, Peter Kersenau, and also Pass Assault uh, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer coming out um, in the next uh, um, month or two. So we've got a great lineup. Good. All right. Lisa, thanks so much. Have a great event tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Uh, Tom is calling us from Florida on AM 1420, The Answer, here in Cleveland. Hey, Tom, go ahead, sir. Tom, can you? Hello? Yeah, Tom, you're on the Uh, air. Yes. I'm I'm calling from Florida. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm just, my my whole complaint is that you keep on saying who's pulling the strings. It's all, it's Obama. Obama's people, everybody in there right now are people from the Obama administration. And those are the people that don't care about this country. And, and everything else. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's frustrating because there are people that believe him when he says he pulled out. But no, nobody leaves an army and leaves people behind. Nobody does. And nobody tells the enemy when I'm leaving. Yeah, well, you know, in, in, in this case, though, Tom, um, and I think you're right in the first part, by the way, I don't have any evidence of it, which is why I don't speak of it more with more conviction, about Obama pulling the strings and calling the shots. But I remember very distinctly, and thank you for the phone call, Barack Obama said in an interview, I've played it before, I don't have it at my fingertips right now, but, uh, but I've played it before, said in an interview uh, about how great it would be if he could serve a third term but not have to go through all the hassle of being out front, if he could just be behind the scenes and have a third term. Uh, he said it out loud. Now, whether or not he knew he was going to be able to pull it off is a question because nobody ever knew that his uh, incompetent, uh, pre-Alzheimer's patient running mate, Joe Biden, would actually ever win the presidency. But it was his desire when he made those statements... It was during the Trump administration, and uh, you know, and now we're sitting here watching Joe Biden talk about how he is being told what to do, where to go, when meetings are that he has to be at, and so forth, rather than saying, I'll make the call as to when the meeting starts, I'm the president. I'll call in the first reporter I wish because I'm the president. I don't need your instructions or your pre-scripted questions. I will do this because I'm the president. I'm waiting for him to step up and say any of those things, but I think that's a long wait. 1031 News Now. Christina Hagen offers her perspective next. AM 1420 The Answer. 
social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1036. Thanks so much for joining us on AM 1420. The answer. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. I will defend our interests and our people with every measure at my command. In the same speech that Joe Biden said, we will hunt you down and we will make you pay, he also said that he will, quote, get as many people out as we can within the time frame that's allotted, end quote. In other words, he is going to keep his retreat date. The time frame is Tuesday, between now and Tuesday. That retreat will stay on schedule. Someone explained to me how someone can hunt down killers while retreating at the same time. Maybe Christina Hagen hasn't answered that question. I don't know. Christina Hagen is a former Ohio State representative joining us now for commentary on the news of the day, as she does each and every Friday on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Christina. Hey, good morning, Bob. I I can't tell you how much I'm glad to be with you. It's been sobering just seeing the news, watching the news. I had the inability to look away, to be honest. And it's unfortunate we're in Texas and we're um, at a Sea Life Clearly event with Focus on the Family and ICU Mobile, and we're celebrating the beauty and the gift of life. And it's a bittersweet occasion because we're mourning our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, the Marines that have been lost. And quite honestly, I don't think there are any words that could come out of President Biden's mouth at this point that would be sufficient for the negligence, the dereliction of duty, his inability to plan better to protect American lives and our allies' lives, for us to be denounced by some of the some of our most longstanding and committed allies in this world, for them to say that they no longer trust us, uh, can no longer work beside us, and then to give a speech is just not sufficient. And there's no Bible quoting he can do uh, to bring those Marines back. There's nothing he can do to change this. He could admit that he's wrong. He could change the timeline. He could not collaborate and negotiate with the Taliban. Uh, But we have an American leader who has handed his power and directives to the Taliban. He's handed information about Americans to the Taliban, where our allies are, where Americans are. I've never seen something so astounding in my lifetime. I mean, we lived through 9-11. We know the seriousness of who our enemies are. And we are being led by the nose by the Taliban. I'm, I, I don't know what to say, Bob. I really don't. Uh, what, what I would say, Christina Hagen, is our, there are words that he could have said yesterday that would have made me satisfied uh, as a result of all of this. And those words are, I resigned my office immediately. Uh, he did not do that, so then I am with you. There is nothing else he can say. Uh, here's what the former president had to say about what you just talked about, Christina. Well, we'll see you then. We appreciate you. All right, joining us now. Uh, that's not it. It's supposed to be queued up to the quick clip of President Trump on with Hannity yesterday. Let's try it one more time. This is the, the dumbest thing. I think it was the dumbest move anybody's ever made perhaps in the history of our country allowing this to happen taking the military out and then say oh we hope to get the people out and then when i hear general mckenzie say that the taliban is going to protect us the taliban's the enemy i dealt with the leader of the taliban this is not 
This is not a very simple man. This is not a Boy Scout, to put it another way. This is a tough, hardened person that's been fighting us for many years, and we're using them now to protect us. Look what happened with their protection. A hundred people, much more, they say, than a hundred people were killed, and 13 of our incredible military were killed. And that's the that's the part, Christina, that I wanted to hit. Um, the president of the former president of the United States acknowledging fact one: the Taliban is our enemy. And fact two: the current president is expecting our enemy to protect us against another enemy, which would be ISIS. Think about that. Right. We're expecting them to deliver our people to safety, and we're supposed to be naive enough to believe that's what's going on here, Bob. Exactly. Exactly right. And, and, and by the way, on, on direct command from the General McKenzie from CENCOM, who said, we're sharing information with the Taliban to prevent attacks. It's as if, it's as if they, you know, we're 15, to, 15 days away, Christina, from the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and it's almost as if two decades of time has gone by and they forgot about 9-11. And who was responsible for 9-11? And people say, well, Al-Qaeda was. Well, Al-Qaeda could not have done what they did without the resources, training, and funding of the Taliban in Afghanistan, for goodness sakes. It's like, and now it's like, hey, they're the lesser of two enemies. Let's partner with them. I, I, it's, it's inconceivable. The Taliban, who now possesses the most sophisticated weaponry on the face of the earth, because we left it there for them. It's just, right. there are so many things that happened here that are inconceivable, that the commander-in-chief, the leader of the free world, could be so naive, could be so stupid if it weren't intentional. You know, you just look at everything, you look at the way society is going, and you wonder if we have anybody who's defending the interests of American citizens. It's clear that um, his vice president, it's clear that the Speaker of the House, it's clear that anybody giving a speech yesterday had zero concern. Um, there was a lightheartedness that is unforgivable um, in the press conferences that the Speaker of the House and others were holding it's like they don't even care that people are dying on their time and by their directive and by their poor and irresponsible moves. I, I don't. Well, you know, it, I'm glad you brought up the Speaker human. of the House. I, uh, hold on, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Speaker of the House and the Congress because I was going to ask about that anyway. I haven't seen or heard. Maybe I've missed some of it because there's a lot of news and I'm in a lot of different places here, but. I have not seen or heard from Nancy Pelosi, from Adam Schiff, from Jerry Nadler, from the crew that tried to impeach and or at least call for investigations of every time Donald Trump blew his nose wrong. I haven't heard them talking about we must have an investigation as to how and why 13 Marines died, dozens of others were injured as part of uh, 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 these uh, terror attacks on our troops and our allies in Kabul. If this had happened under Donald Trump's watch, you can you can only imagine what they would be saying today. And I didn't hear a word from them yesterday, again, unless I looked in the wrong places. No, they were still coming off their weekend high of partying in their palaces in uh, Napa Valley, drinking wine, maskless. Um, these people are drunk on power. They have zero heart for the average American person, zero regard for the families that will be receiving the worst news that they could possibly receive in their entire lives. And um, I even saw a mom locally who I knew I attended school with her daughter and uh, her life was taken in combat. And she was sharing on there about how this will be the worst experience that these families will ever have. And we have the person who is third in line for the president, or second in line for the presidency after the vice president, 
laughing and giggling and talking about, you know, the suffragette movement, talking about women's rights to vote and how she's in power and loves being in power and other women in power. It's like they're not even on earth. It's like they have no idea what they've done and the magnitude of what they've done, or they're honestly so evil that it does not matter to them. And so I just, I do pray for them as much as I pray for our known ally or our known enemies, our allies, the Christians that are being massacred, um, Americans' lives that are in harm's way. I mean, we're having congressional offices that are working around the American military trying to find a way to get Americans out. It's absolutely inexcusable. We have private retired veterans who are running operations to get people out of Kabul, out of Afghanistan. And the president of the United States is relying on the Taliban to get the job done. It's the most moronic and disturbing thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And coming up on the anniversary of 9-11, I don't know what Americans feel safe right now, but we need to be praying to God for a hedge of protection around our country and around our allies. Well, the, the the part about the Taliban is is the most um, stark stark reminder to me of of just how incompetent our current commander in chief is. Uh, you know, this this group, as I said before, your last comment, uh, you know, was responsible for the training of Al Qaeda. Now they're responsible for the checkpoints uh, and and deciding who can get into the air, uh, airport and who can board these cargo planes to to evacuate. Uh, the President of the United States gave them that authority and said, we will allow you to handle this. And yesterday, when he was asked by a reporter, uh, one of only four questions he took, if there was a list of Americans and of green card holders that were allowed to, that should be allowed to get through to get on. That's almost the same. He didn't deny it. He said, I'm not sure about the specifics of that, but there very well could be, blah, blah, blah. And that is saying there could very well have been a list of Americans who are of high priority to the American government or else they wouldn't have had their names and their, uh, and their positions. Uh, so number one, it makes them a target. And number two, if they reverse it, it's a kill list for everybody who's not on that list. In other words, if we let these people through, everybody else is fair game for us. The American government doesn't care about them, only the people on this list. And we're entrusting the Taliban with that information, Christina. We handed a kill list to our enemy. We handed, we absolutely handed a kill list to our enemy. And for them, the responses they gave in press conferences are unconscionable. For Saki to say that any American who wants to come home is going to come home. Are you kidding me? Are you every American wants to come home? The Americans that they are denying. Joe Saki. Joe Saki said yesterday after Biden spoke, there are some Americans who may have decided. I'm sorry, who may not have decided to leave by the 31st. That is possible. Like, are you kidding? I know. A, nobody in their right mind would be staying behind enemy lines to see if they make it. See if they make it out there. Every person, every American, every American ally is praying to God to find a safe haven and to make it home. While tens and thousands of other people have come to the country uh, before Americans, we need to remember this. We need to remember the president, when he said America first, it was because he is the president of America. We do not have a president of America. We have a president of all things but keeping Americans prioritized and safe. And Saki said that there are people that might not want to come home. That is the biggest facade joke, crazy comment I've ever heard. And I heard it from different congressional offices that I was listening into some of the remarks. And they're saying that if there are Americans there who have family members that are not American, 
they are rejecting those people. They're saying, yeah, sure, you can come, but your family has to stay behind. You can't come. And so they're then saying and labeling that as a person who decided that they did not want to come. They want to come and they want their family to be safe beside them and to come and to get out of the mess that was created by this Biden administration. But they're being left behind by our American president who has yeah. led everybody on the earth across our southern border but won't bring Americans home. Well, his his statement that they will try to get as many people out as we can within the time frame that's allotted is a an admission that we will not get everyone out because otherwise his statement would be we will get every American out until every American is evacuated, not until some arbitrary clock runs out. He, he's admitting we're going to be leaving Americans behind. That makes them stranded, and moreover, because I know Jen Psaki hates that word, it makes them abandoned. By direct command of the commander-in-chief, if you're an American and we don't get you out of there, uh, sorry, the, the, the time clock and the threat of the Taliban to impose consequences on us if we don't meet it um, supersedes my responsibility to get you out of there. They need to admit the foul and grave mistake that they've made here and swallow every ounce of their disgusting arrogance, move the date, and this time, not announce it to our known enemies. I mean, since I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm a middle-class mom, and I can tell you that was stupid. <laughs> like, it's not hard for the average working-class American to recognize that the commander-in-chief president of the United States shouldn't have announced and declared our exit strategy to our known enemies. It's just, right. I cannot believe that this is the way of the United States. This is you the know, way of the world that we're living in currently. And the worst part about this is if uh, they had stuck to what the President Trump's timeline was, which was going to be to get all of the civilians and uh, diplomats and contractors out first by May 1st, then the equipment, then the actual military forces, we would be done What a with novel this by now. concept. Right? What a, what yeah. a, and instead, he wants strategy. to drag it out. He wanted to drag it out so that it would be on September 11th. Remember, he wanted uh, Biden said, no, we're going to push that to September 11th. He wanted the symbolism of somebody else started the war on uh, uh, from September 11th, but it ended on my watch. He wanted to end it on September 11th, 2021. Then, of course, bumped to August 31st. But the fact of the fact remains, it was purely political uh uh you know uh symbolism if you will that joe biden was was letting guide his decisions there the only thing he has successfully ended is any respect we've ever had from any allying nation and any safety and security that we have been able to pull together after what we experienced on 9-11 he stripped all of that away from us and it's left us all high and dry and standing here and wondering what's going to be next. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse quick on the ground there. And I'm not so sure we have any way of feeling safe here because the same people that are claiming to vet the hundreds of thousands of people pouring into this country regularly and those that are coming over are the same people that are supposed to have kept these Americans safe. And I just don't know how we can have confidence in any of it. Christina Hagen, perfect, uh, uh, art- perfectly articulated points. Thank you so much. I know it's probably very difficult for you to be watching all of this while you're down there at such a great event in Texas, but I'm glad you made time for us. Uh, thank you so much for your insights, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right. God bless you, Bob. Thank you. And you as well, and your family. Okay, 1052, uh, final time out, and we'll wrap it up with a couple more of your phone calls. If you want to get into it now, 888, or excuse me, yeah, well, 888-281-1110 works. The other one is 216-901-0945. I don't care.
Okay, 10.56, last segment of the week. Let's go to John and Chardon. Hi, John, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. The root of the problem here is that uh, before us today in Afghanistan, it goes back to the undeniable fact that uh, fraudulent elections have consequences. And that's how we got Biden. But uh, we should keep in mind now with Afghanistan, we, we should maintain a military presence there. Uh, I mean, we've had it there for 20 years, and it's worked quite well. It's it's uh, uh, provided st- stability and a military deterrent to the to the Taliban. And of course, you look at what's happened in Japan and um, Germany with their military presence since World World War II. Sure. They they need us there. They want us there because we're the strongest um, military in the uh, world. I've been so, trying to point that look, out to people. You know, we have between thirty and 50,000 troops in each of, and thank you, John, for the call, in each of Germany, Japan, and South Korea, and nobody is complaining that we're fighting forever wars there. We keep troops there strategically as a deterrence against bad actions from bad actors and very dangerous uh, uh, opponents and enemies who are in those regions. That's why we're there. And and it's important. And nobody says, "I'll oh, get them out of there." This is a you know an ongoing war zone. It's not. And again, for for the last twenty years, our taking of the uh, land of Afghanistan away from the Taliban and just keeping security forces there enough to support and train the actual Afghan security security forces has been enough to do the same. I agree. Jan in Greater Cleveland. Hi, Jan. You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, hi, Bob. You know, Biden is just carrying out the fundamental transformation of America. And I just pray that some of the deceived and proud or just overly preoccupied people will respond to the message, if my people will repent and turn from their evil ways, I will heal their land. It's just unfortunate that so many brain-rotted people hate God. That's all I got. All right, Jan, thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. That's uh, that's going to do it for us. That's all the time we have. We're coming up on Mike Gallagher time. Listen to Mike. Listen to Charlie Kirk. Listen to Dennis Prager. Listen to Dr. G. And and so on it goes. It's um, This is extraordinarily important, what we are doing right now, and how we respond to it is just as important. Thanks to everybody for being a part of the show today and for Enjoy this week. We'll see you all Monday. Be safe. Be free. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.